Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees. My name is still Lloyd Ross, and this particular episode, we're going to dive into property or shares. Which one is better? Okay, which one is better, property or shares? Which one do you go for? And I had a conversation on the weekend with a very clever guy. He uh, used to own a gold mine, and and he's uh, re, you know he manufactures gold. We had this brief conversation, so I'll share with you at the end what he said to me. All right, very simple advice and very clever and very effective. So I'll share it with you. So let's have a look at this. Now I do cover this in my book, Money Grows on Trees. I do a comparison between property and shares. I do an example of a property versus a CBA share, a bank share, the difference in the cash flow. So I don't want to go through that again. If you want to look at that comparison, go grab the book and read it there. But let's just talk about broad brush, which which I seem which one I prefer and why, and then when it's appropriate, I think you know, to, to buy either. But again, this is my own personal uh, experience and opinion. You are entitled to your own. And so I uh, encourage, you know, debate on this and you can always send me a question, ask me about it specifically. But let's look at it. Property is one of those things, I mean, property is expensive, okay, pound for pound. You can't, the thing about property is you can't buy little pieces of it today, generally. I mean, you know, if we're talking about real estate investment trusts, REITs, which I'll do an episode on, Sure, you can buy it like a stock. It's a REIT, okay? A real estate investment trust, all right? Where they've got a group, they've got a few properties together, they've listed on the stock exchange and they've sold shares in that particular fund of property. You can do that. So of course you can, but I'm talking about direct real estate where you own the actual property, which is for what, for most part, what people, you know, understand property to be. So from an investment standpoint, really expensive. So you're going to have to, you can't put in like $10 here and $100 here and a 1000 there and you can't build up, you can't, very hard to plant that money tree in, in property without borrowing a lot of money. But even if you can borrow the money, you're still going to put in a large deposit. So for example, if you're going to buy a half a million dollar property, you've got to typically put in 10%, so it might be 50000 uh, or if you want to put in 20%, which is better, it's 100000 Okay, they have cash. You got to have the money there. Okay, a lot of people don't have the fifty grand or the hundred grand saved up. All right, it takes a while to do that. Then you've got to borrow the money from the bank. Now that's all great when interest rates are really low and debt is cheap, but it can be quite a pain when there's interest rates of seven percent. So, for example, if you were to borrow, I'm going to half a million dollar property. You borrow four hundred thousand. You put a hundred thousand cash. You're borrowing 400000 If interest rates were at 6%, that would cost you 24000 a year just in interest. So you're going to put another 24000 in principal. It's going to be fifty grand a year, 1000 bucks a week to own that half-million-dollar property, right? It's quite a bit. But right now, it's really cheap. That's why a lot of people are buying property because debt is the cheapest in history right now. So look, it's really hard to get into because of the price. Okay, that's the first thing. But, you know, once you're in and you've got all this, you've got all these borrowings and you've got a cash position in there of say 10 or 20%, as the property grows and doubles in value over a 10 to 12 year period, then of course you're going to get fantastic capital gains on your cash position. Okay. So if the property's worth 500,000 and doubles over 10 years, you get a $500,000 gain on a hundred grand. So it's five times your money. 
Okay, that's what's powerful about property. It's called leverage. You're leveraging your cash deposit position and you're actually five-folding it if it's a half million dollar property, all right? Of course, you've got to sell it and then pay capital gains tax on that if you decide to. But property is a good asset because it produces rent on a weekly or bi-weekly or monthly basis, which is awesome. So it's a great money tree because it does produce cash in the form of fruit and the tree also grows in value because the property land where the, where the property sits grows in value. That's where the growth in property comes from. It comes from the land because there is a finite resource of land. They're not making any more of it. <laughs> There's only so much to go around land. So that's why people like property, okay? If there's a high demand for a particular area because there's schools, there's water, there's infrastructure, there's shopping, there's retail, whatever, it's a nice place, there's low crime, there's good health, whatever it might be, that is a desirable place to live. Good weather is a good thing. And if there's more people in an area that want to live in a specific suburb because of those attributes, of course, the value of the land goes up through the demand, the more demand that people want to live there. And because the supply is static, it doesn't go anywhere, okay? then of course the, the price in the land or the value of the land rises. So that you're gro- from a money tree standpoint, the, va- the tree grows in value and the rent gives off fruit, all right? And the rent grows over time, so there's more fruit. So great, great asset, right? But, you know, again, hard to get into and of course it requires you to borrow large sums of money. There is interest rate rise risk to that because if interest rates go up and you can't afford to pay them and you have your tenant leave or something happens, then the bank can actually foreclose on that mortgage after three months, give you notice, and sometimes you can lose your house, right? And I've seen that happen too. So the idea with property is to make sure you've got more cash and put a bigger cash deposit in. Now, let's look at shares. Shares, uh, oh, the other thing with property before I go into this is the income you make, okay, the rental income you make, the apple, the fruit from your money tree is fully taxable when it comes to property. So it's not a great cash flow asset, as opposed to shares. So you're gonna get taxed at the full marginal rate of tax on your property, okay? And property costs money to manage. Insurance, rates, water, property management, upkeep, right? So um, you got, from, from a cash flow standpoint, property is inferior to shares, and I'll explain why. Let's look at shares. Shares are you know a share of a business. So let's use Commonwealth Bank as an example here. You're buying a share in the business of Commonwealth Bank. You can buy those stocks today for $87 a share on the Australian stock market. And you know, if you're in America listening to this, great. You can this will be the same as Bank of America, very similar. The dividends are a bit different, and I'll explain that. But let's look at it. What I love, and I'm a share guy, what I love about shares is you can start for as little as $100, $1,000, $2,000, whatever it might be, okay? So that's great. You can you can plant your money tree now, which is freaking amazing. We can get to work now on developing your habits and moving your money and putting it to work, which is why I love shares, okay? And so let's look at Commonwealth Bank. You Let's say you bought a half a million dollars worth of Commonwealth Bank shares. The first thing is, the, the, the thing about shares is you can't really borrow money to buy them, okay? You can, but you probably wouldn't want to because if the shares fall, some brokers, well, most brokers will require you to put in more cash to adjust the amount of borrowings you have against that those shares, okay? So with property, when, resident, when residential property falls, the bank doesn't call you up and say, hey, you need to put in more cash equity because, you know, your, your position's falling, the value falling of the asset. No, with shares, when they fall, you do have to do that. So people, that's called a margin call. 
where you've got to post margin to the position so that you've got to add actual cash to make up the shortfall and the shares dropping. That's another whole topic. I'm going way off topic here. What I'm saying is don't borrow money to buy shares unless you 1000% know what you're doing and you're a pro and you've tested on small amounts. I still wouldn't encourage it. I don't borrow money to buy shares. So let's say you're going to buy shares over time and build it up and you've got half a million dollars of, say, Commonwealth Bank shares. The coolest thing about that is that just like property, the value of the shares will grow. So the tree itself, the money tree itself will grow in size, grow in value because the value of that business will go up over time because the number of shares outstanding, there's a finite supply, okay, and there's more demand for them. People want to buy that business because of the potential earnings it's going to produce. So the demand goes up, there's only a certain number of shares to go around, and not everyone can have them, so the value and price of the shares go up. Okay, that's how shares go up, okay? The expectations of earnings goes up by the public, they want to buy more, more demand, less shares, price goes up. Same as property, same, same economic fundamentals. But with shares in Commonwealth Bank, the bank will pay you dividends instead of rent. Okay, So they're paying you a share of their profits, which is all dividends are, by the way. Just a share in the profits of the business, Okay, which is cool. So with Commonwealth Bank, they have what we call fully franked dividends, which means the company or the business has already paid the government the tax on those profits. So the government in Australia doesn't tax you for receiving those dividends. They're called fully franked dividends. They're franked by 100%, which means you don't have to pay any income tax above 30% marginal rate on those dividends, which means you're basically getting tax-free income. Okay, If your marginal tax rate is 30%, you get to have tax-free income, which is awesome. So the first thing is you're going to make 30% more cash than what you would if you owned a property because the government will take 30% roughly of interest, uh, sorry, of tax on that income. All right? So that's why I love it. And the other thing why I love uh, shares over properties, you don't have to maintain shares. You don't have to pay insurance, rates, water, upkeep, property management. You don't need to pay any of that. So you're also saving more cash by actually having no maintenance. And the other reason why I love shares instead of property is when you want to sell them, you can sell them and within three days, bang, the money's in your account. They're very liquid, okay? You don't have to list it with an agent and haggle and pay an agent for uh, marketing fees and and go take it to auction and yeah, it's just there's very heavy duty transaction costs when it comes to properties. Like if you buy a property, I think I read in the financial review, if you buy a million dollar property in Sydney, it'll cost you, I think it's twenty thousand dollars to buy it in transaction costs. So that's legal fees, stamp duties, um, you know, moving processes, all those costs, their transaction costs, and fifty thousand to sell it. So if you're buying and selling a million dollar property in Sydney, it's going to cost you 70 grand to make that transaction, 70,000. Whereas if you bought a million dollars worth of Commonwealth Bank shares, it'd be like a few thousand dollars in brokerage, not a lot, okay? Probably even, I think, oh, I haven't done it in one bulk sum like that, but probably only a couple thousand dollars, I think. It's a huge difference, right? Like that matters, that really matters. You know, people move houses and they sell houses every five years, statistically. That's a lot. If you're going to do that over, let's say you've got a, a say a 50-year uh, time horizon, that's 10 times you're going to sell houses. That's 700 grand on a million dollar, uh, you know, properties. 700 grand on, on transaction costs. So property is really, uh, you know, heavy duty on transaction costs, whereas shares, they're not. And they're very simple and easy to do. So I can see, I'm a share, I'm a share guy. See that? I'm, I'm, I'm more of that. But, you know, people like to have the tangible assets. During times of like the pandemic and stuff, obviously property, you know, the rent was still coming in. People were paying the same amount of rent. It's more stable income. 
because you know dividends can fall with the business but but I think for ease and simplicity of my life and the fact that shares do outperform property from an asset class perspective like you look at the returns of property versus shares shares have outperformed property you can google it you can read I don't care go and do your best you'll find that shares nine and a half nine or nine and a half percent turn over the distance depending on which market and then property is about eight percent okay so there you go uh, so that's why I prefer shares. Now, which one do you go for? Well, here's what my friend, the gold mine owner and now manufacturer has told me. He said, look, Lloyd, shares when you're starting off because it's easier to get into. But at a point in time when you've got the capital over a certain period of your life between your 40s and your 60s, you know, in that nice period, you've got to look at property. And I'm not saying I'm not and there's going to be opportunities when interest rates go up to buy properties, I think, for a bit cheaper, um, I hope. But there comes a point in time when you can buy a really good quality property, you can borrow a certain amount of, you know, sensible amount of money, not borrowing 90% or 95%, borrow perhaps, you know, 70% of the of the value, okay? And the more cash deposit you can put in, the better. You know, and you hold it long term. And over that 20, 30-year period, if you don't sell lots and rebuy, you can actually make tremendous amounts of money from property and of course, you're putting in your repayments instead of rent, so it's not dead money, which is fantastic. And I think at the appropriate time, especially when you're raising a family and you know where you're going to live for, for for the foreseeable future, property makes a very you know it makes a lot of sense. It's logically a good rational thing to do, okay? But it becomes irrational when you're buying property to try and flip it short term, high transaction costs. It makes zero sense if you're like trying to borrow tons of money against it to for the fear of missing out, okay? And it's not a great cash flow asset. I'm more about shares, okay? So I think a nice combination too is great. But if you're wanting, if you're just starting out, I think shares is the best place to start. So I agree with him. I think that's sensible advice. And of course, there is a time and a place. Me, I'm all shares. If I didn't have to buy a property, I wouldn't. But again, depends on family situations and things like that. So uh, I hope that's been insightful for you as to which one to lean towards. Um, remember, there's a certain time for both. Just make sure it makes sense intelligently when you do the figures, okay? Does it stack up from an investment standpoint? Does it align with your investment strategy? And does it align with your life plan? Don't, here's my my little last tip before I leave you. Don't be in a rush to buy a property, my goodness. I've seen people so much in a rush, FOMO, fear of missing out. Their parents, gotta get on the property ladder, gotta get on the property ladder. BS, I'm 37, we don't own a property. But here we are, I'm sitting here on a, I don't even know what day of the week it is, a Wednesday, is it? And I'm sitting here recording a podcast and it's two in the afternoon. I'm sitting at home, not even at a job, financially independent through a side hustle that produces residual income, okay, out of our jobs and shares that produce passive income. We don't own property, all right? So, hey, I'm living, breathing proof that you don't need to be in the market. I'm 37. I'm 37 and we haven't bought a property. There is time for you. Relax, cool your jets. You don't need to be on the ladder, if anything, it's going to bind you to a mortgage when you're like, oh my God, why did I buy this thing, all right? You're just like, ah, just don't be in a rush, okay? Chill out. And if you already do own property, maybe look to diversify your assets. Learn about shares, okay? And don't like go and buy like five properties fully indebted, 90% gearing on all of them. My goodness. No one gets a medal for how many properties they own. Let me tell you, it's just bragging rights. Keep it up with the Joneses. Don't go to the seminars and you know buy five properties fully with debt equity it out of your, because here's the thing, interest rates are going to go up one day. And when they do, you don't want to be stuck there when the tide goes out swimming naked, which, right? You don't want to lose everything. 
So just be careful of that too, all right? There's a couple of lessons there towards the end. I hope that's been an effective podcast episode for you and you've gotten value from that. And if you have, don't forget to listen to the outro where you can today, Junior, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, please. If you're getting value from this, please leave a review. Share it to your stories. Let's get everyone financially educated so that we can all achieve uh, financial peace. All right, so see you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss. 